Where should I begin? Can we talk about this? Say, hey, what are you trying to say? Beyond the usual controversial talk. Blah, 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 on and on and on. Over there. No. Hello, no. One, two, cha-cha-cha. One, two, cha-cha-cha. Prepare yourself. Okay. For Craig. Okay. Preparing a mighty new spectacle here. Articulate. <laughs> stimulating. Yeah. Hit you right in the... There you go. We start becoming a team... This is the Craig Collins Show. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God, no. On WJBC. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. Now your host. He's a good man. Craig. That's right. It's Craig Collins Show. AM 1230 WJBC. Uh, a lot coming up on the show. We will hear from Jazz Upfront in the 5 o'clock hour as we celebrate 5 p.m. on the Craig Collins Show, something I like to do every single Friday, kick off the weekend early. I will be talking... Democratic debate, uh, and actually Mark Strauss is wandering into the studio now, so it looks like I might get to do that first thing. I would love to do it first thing. I am thrilled to do it first thing. Uh, part of the reason why I'm talking about this today, yes, the debate was Wednesday. I was on in the morning show on Thursday, um, and they, you know, we did other things on the on the show. We did cover the debate a little bit, but I didn't hang out long enough to get to chat with Mark Strauss via debate stuff, so I will do that now. Um, and I assume you watched or at least got to see stuff after the fact. I saw enough highlights to form an opinion. <laughs> and you're calling them that, by the way? You're calling them highlights? Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if going in, we all expected it to be as, as fight-esque as it felt because the previous Democratic debates were all a little tamer. Uh, the biggest narrative of any of the people on the stage every single time before Wednesday was, you know, we all agree 90% on stuff, 95 and we need to go after the, the big bad guy in the White House, according to the Democrats. And that was the entirety of most debates. You put Michael Bloomberg on stage, and things took a very different turn because people were swinging at him from jump. It seemed like everyone's initial statement involved how Bloomberg was a terrible candidate and then you started having all these different fights and, you know, things break out. There were moments I heard you play on your show yesterday where everyone just kept talking. So I guess my first big question for you and I to discuss, did you expect it to be as, as fight-heavy as it was? I was expecting them to turn on Bloomberg, yes. Yes, he's, me too. He's all of a sudden, you know, he hasn't been in any of the debates. He's advertised heavily. He spent the most money, of course. $300 million yeah. and counting. He's very visible if you watch television, uh -huh. or even if you're just online, his ads pop up before his ads pop up before everything. He also is paying his staffers several thousand dollars, if you believe a report, to social media the crap out of everything that goes on. Yeah. As far as he's concerned, even during debates he wasn't featured at. So even if you were just online on your Facebook, Twitter, wherever you were uh, during a previous debate, Bloomberg would have been all over those platforms via just handing money to his staff to do it. By the way, there's an ad that uh, Bloomberg has out. I think it's actually two ads, <laughs> and it struck me right away. Uh -huh. There's an ad where he talks about bringing New York City through 9-11 as the mayor. And, I mean, does he think we're idiots? Because <laughs> Rudy Giuliani was the mayor on 9-11, and for a significant amount of time, Afterwards, Correct. And it actually was Rudy Giuliani's eventual um, picking of Bloomberg as his, you know, the person he was throwing his support with that really turned that uh, mayoral thing around for Bloomberg. That when he first got into that race back right after 9-11, Rudy Giuliani was was at the height of his popularity on the East Coast and in New York. And until he wound up backing Bloomberg, I think people questioned if that guy could get it done. And then also, of course, the biggest thing 
uh, that struck me, and I think it's something that, that a lot of people expected. The stop and frisk, which if we don't really understand what it is here, by the way, stop and frisk. It's profiling. Is, right. Well, I, I guess in a sense, it, it for sure is profiling. But the intention of stop and frisk, if you were asking Bloomberg at the time, was to make sure that people weren't you know, armed in places they shouldn't be. And it did. I, I will say this. I, I do not support that policy. It did impact the amount of crime. It was successful. In certain, it was. And you, you, we can you know, say what we want about it. There was a certain, I thought he would highlight the successes of a policy that obviously in today's day and age he would never enact again, no one would enact again, as opposed to just immediately apologizing to everyone on the stage for it because I think he enabled the narrative that everyone was worried about moving forward, which is he's unelectable, he's, he's done all these terrible things, and stop and frisk is one of the biggest ones. Uh, had he instead highlighted the good parts of what came from a, a flawed idea, uh, he might not have been beat up as bad. That's my own take. I don't know what you think about that. Had he tried to go a different road than I, I'm so, so sorry, I'm a terrible person. Because that is all I took from that debate, at least from him, is there's so many different moments where, uh, as far as how he treats women, how he treats minorities, um, I, I don't know how he comes back. And he's only been through one debate, and he's got enough money to pay his way out of it, I guess. But it's not. I don't think that's a successful presidential campaign. I think it's easy to dissect Mike Bloomberg right now. It comes down to basically two things. One, all right. he spent a lot of money on advertising, yep. trying to create an image. Correct. And then when he felt that that image, that foundation for introducing himself to America through this advertising campaign mm -hmm. was sufficient, then he was ready to go up on stage. The problem is, is that he probably didn't, I think he miscalculated the other candidates in terms of uh, he's not going to be allowed to participate. <laughs> because he wasn't allowed to participate the other night. Right. He was always being cut off, mm -hmm. which is, by the way, it's a very unattractive part of the rest of the field. Sure. Uh, that doesn't go over well. None of them are actually representing what they stand for. They're just no. busy trying to knock him down. Another thing I find interesting and kind of humorous about Bloomberg All right. is that during the debate the other night, one of uh, his primary, I guess, positive traits in terms of the way he presented himself yeah. was to say, hey, I'm from New York. I can do this. In other words, it was, there was almost the <laughs> undertones of, hey, Trump's the president. He's from New York. Uh -huh. I'm from New York. I, he almost was you know, subliminally using Trump to As, help him. I, well, I, I would say I don't think it's lost to many people that Bloomberg is a successful businessman from New York. Um, I don't think anyone has forgotten that that simple sentiment that is very, very true. He is a billionaire out of the city. He and Trump used to get along, by the way. I know, I'm aware. Uh, Trump used to get along with quite a few people that uh, would surprise you, including even the Clintons at one point. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things going on here. The other thing that maybe caused the amount of friction on Wednesday was that both Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden uh, were probably desperate. I think going into this debate, they were probably both fairly desperate to try as hard as they could to be noticeable. Elizabeth Warren did a fantastic job. Well, she's the look at me candidate constantly. Right. Uh, she did a fantastic job with her little news, her little clips, her clips of audio that I could play some of them, the ones going after Bloomberg, et cetera. That was successful. I don't know if it helps her in the actual voting. So we'll see. That's all stuff we'll see on. It was just interesting to me, and I wanted your take, because it was so much more vicious than the other ones were. And Bloomberg already feels like a, a guy who's going to waste a lot of money. Well, he's like, a, he's like a kid who moved to a new state, and he's on a new block. <laughs> and 
all the other with. all the other kids, you know, at the pool, right? Don't want him around. No, and they kind of know how he used to act in the last state he was in, um, which is stuff that I don't gonna... think they care how he acts. I think they're just they're just using that to their to their benefit. Sure, but I think his past will catch up with him on that side um, with how everything operates in general. It's the it's... field of Democrats is like watching an episode of Seinfeld. The different <laughs> characters, right? I mean, Bernie Sanders, Kramer. If they had a yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I got it. Bernie is definitely the Kramer of the situation. I, I'm trying to think who the Jerry would be. Who would you make Jerry? Is that Does that have to be Michael Bloomberg? At least for now? I don't know if there's a Jerry character. Yeah, there's several Kramers, maybe a few Costanzas. That's how oh, there's feel. definitely a few Costanzas. <laughs> I roll from the Democratic debates and maybe some hot takes that Mark Strauss and I have to a very hot take from Kevin Smith. If you don't know who Kevin Smith is, well, one, he's a giant comic book nerd. He is part of the... Um, um, <laughs> a few different movies out there that have uh, Jay and Silent Bob in them, playing a character there. Uh, he is also a director, a, a movie director, etc. Uh, it doesn't really matter who he is, though, because I think what's more important is what he said, and I'd love to have people's take on it, 829-2345. And take with a grain of salt what I just said about him. He is a movie director, a human being who operates in worlds with a lot of comic book nerd people. Uh, he's made several different movies in that in that genre. Uh, he's very successful, though. He's had very good, very well-reviewed things out there in the world. Uh, but he tweeted last night uh, something that I thought maybe you, the audience, 829-2345, would think was interesting. He said, religion has been founded on the Bible, uh, or religions, excuse me, uh, result, resulting in millions of people uh, driving inspiration and moral strength from amazing stories about fantastic feats and faith. He is essentially touting the benefits of the Bible. That nothing there, nothing yet. But here's where it goes a little rogue, in my opinion, from one Kevin Smith. Hundreds of years from now, I'm continuing to read from his Twitter page, our descendants will find the same divine inspiration. I actually, he didn't put the same. I'm sorry. That was added by the person who wrote this. D- divine inspiration from stories of cap-wielding Molnir, which is Captain America using a weapon of Thor's. Uh, he's referencing a, a Marvel comic book movie, Avengers Endgame, and saying that for years to come, once we're, you know, all much and gone, that the movies created by Disney uh, that feature characters that I enjoy quite a bit um, from the, you know, comic book world will have the same impact on our descendants as the Bible had on us. I don't know if anyone, you know, has a strong feeling about that, but I thought it was an interesting take. 829-2345, a movie director, an admitted comic book nerd, said that in years from now, years from now, the movies created by the Disney franchise will be as powerful and the divine inspiration uh, given to us from those movies will be used throughout. I mean, wow. I I usually won't dive into this world. Uh, I do admit to being Catholic, Craig, but hey, your religion is your own, man. Uh, But I don't think even the comic book nerd that exists in me would ever have compared those movies to the Bible. And yet this guy uh, has done that. Certainly people had strong takes on social media about Kevin's thoughts about his. And I don't know if it was a joke. Maybe he was just kidding. Uh, but that's kind of hard to see. Uh, but more importantly, just the fact that it has uh, gone viral because of, because of his take on it. I don't think there's any movie. Can we think of any movie that exists that would have as much of a cultural impact as something like the Bible does? I, when he wakes up and decides to tweet that, does he go, like, what could I possibly choose that would be the most wrong version of my argument? Like, what could I do to be, you know, way too extreme? Or do I find a better, 
you know, some kind of closer to it analogy. No, Kevin, uh, just go the full board. Just say that the Bible and, and the Avengers are essentially the same, which is what he did on social media. I've been watching American Idol. I get into a lot of the uh, singing shows, kind of because of my wife. Uh, but we watch Mass Singer, too. I like the Mass Singer. Some people disparage the Mass Singer because they're like, really? This is like the epitome of reality TV. You've got uh, kind of celebrities, like C-list celebrities for the most part, maybe even lower than that, dressing up in, in fancy, fancy costumes. No one better disparage the costumes because they seem like they take a lot of work and singing songs than we have a terrible panel of judges guessing who they are. Yes, it might be the epitome of reality TV, but darn it, I am entertained. I've also been entertained by American Idol, as I said, but this promo for Sunday's episode coming up confuses me a bit. Listen to the promo first. And then uh, I'll tell you what I mean. Are we excited? It's the most explosive audition. It totally blew me away in Idol history. Do you smell gas? I'm not feeling good. American Idol, Sunday on ABC. Okay, so they're, they're first highlighting the auditions, and they're talking about how excited everybody is, and everybody's like waving, you know, the way that it goes in the audition room. If you've ever seen an American Idol before uh, during this part of the process of the show. Um, so everybody, there's a lot of excitement. Then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, without the narrator explaining anything, all he says is it's going to be an explosive episode, which could be hinting at what might happen. You hear Katy Perry say, do you smell gas? And then you see firefighters coming toward, or at least a clip of firefighters going toward a building. Then you see Katy Perry passing out as the uh, audio over her says, I don't feel so good. And then you see more firefighters, and then the promo ends. I don't know what they're telling me is going to happen on Sunday, but did Katy Perry pass out from a gas leak? And are they are they touting that as like part of the the explosion? Uh, the only reason I ask is because like as I read, this would not really be terribly funny to a lot of people. A gas leak is actually kind of a a serious thing. And while I don't know, I still might find the humor in it if everybody's okay. It's a really odd way to end your promo. Uh, we were talking about, like, the most inspiring things happening, you know, in the near future. The most uh, interesting things that are going to happen on this Sunday's episode. Eh, Katy Perry might pass out from a gas leak. I don't know who cut that. I don't know who created it. Uh, Siri's trying to talk to me very bad. Siri, be quiet. I'm on the show. I'm doing radio. Uh, but, no, it's just it's such a funny, odd thing to see it happening there. So if you're going to watch American Idol on Sunday, 829-2345, uh, call in and let me know. Uh, if you're a fan, and if you've also seen this promo, because, man, oh, man, is it a strange one. Uh, in other news, totally shifting gears, Disney World is proud of a new product you'll be able to get if you go to one of their theme parks. It, I, I guess they have, I've never been, uh, but I guess they have a very popular treat called the Dole Whip Treat. Um, it's some sort of, like, you know, dessert-style drink thing uh, that people very much like. Well, they're now going to start putting alcohol in it. Apparently, they're going to start putting in rum. Uh, the mention in the press release says that parents no need no longer need to smuggle in the rum on their own, <laughs> which is nice. Um, it's a pineapple version of this drink, and I guess you can put in, you know, along with the fruits, the oranges, the guava juices, whatever else is in there, at least a shot of rum. Uh, if you've ever been to one of these sort of theme park things before, uh, maybe with your family, I was I went when I was a kid, but I went as a child. I never got to go in the parental role. I wonder if if drinking is kind of a popular thing. I'm just curious, 829-2345, if you've gone on one of these big trips, if you've even gone to places like Disney World, you know, as opposed to just maybe going to Six Flags up near Chicago, 
uh, wherever you go, whatever trips you take with the family, do you wind up when you're trapped in a theme park desperately wanting something like the uh, the Dole Whip snack with at least a shot of rum in it? Just curious. 829-2345. Give me a call. But they apparently intend for this to be or expect for this to be a wildly popular uh, beverage at the theme park, which says, you know, maybe a lot. Maybe it says a lot of things about how, how you take in the holiday, how you take in the Disney World when you go with the um, the family. I've known a bunch of people in their 20s, early 30s, who just like going uh, by themselves. And, like, I think I'd probably enjoy it, too. Uh, for the most part, these are usually pretty big Disney fans. But in that world, you might also be drinking, too, I imagine. It would be a very different form of having fun and being at the theme park, doing the rides, and, like, you know, enjoying your time. So maybe it's two groups that they're targeting this stuff for. The adults who like to go and spend in a theme park day as themselves, and then the ones who bring kids along and, uh, you know, maybe every so often need a, just a little bit of a break. Uh, 829-2345. Give me a call on any of those topics. Uh, I would love to hear from people that are watching American Idol and people that are watching The Masked Singer because uh, I'm very much enjoying both of those shows uh, or anything else you guys want to talk about. As I've said before in this very radio show, I like phone calls. 829-2345-2345. Call me with anything. And if you need that, it's 309. Uh, maybe somebody at a, at a college with a different zip code doesn't know how to call us. 309-823-2345. UJBC. It's Craig Collins Show on AM 1230 WJBC. Uh, at 5 o'clock, I'll be chatting with the Jazz Upfront guys uh, about the shows you can see this weekend and also just getting the uh, weekend going a little earlier. We uh, celebrate 5 p.m. on Fridays on the Craig Collins Show with a drink and uh, at least a, a restaurant in, in or maybe an event place in to chat about different things going on in Bloomington. Um, I was talking about Disney World a second ago and how the products they have out there, you know, available for them, the alcohol products, whatever, might make the trip a little bit more enjoyable. I got a, a message on Facebook from a buddy of mine named Mark uh, who follows me on Facebook.com slash Craig Collins Show. Uh, you can check that out, too. The Polar Plunge post is up as well. Uh, but Mark says that he definitely seems to enjoy going to those sort of parks and having alcohol at them, of course, since he's got kids, you got to be responsible. You can't enjoy too much, uh, but it makes it quite a bit better in his mind to have those options available. I can't imagine going to places where, like, you know, there's there's nothing, where it's just a dry campus situation. Uh, but then again, I also can't imagine going with kids because that's not that's not my situation. Uh, so, Mark, good job. Uh, I'm glad that you enjoy those drinks. And maybe you'll go and get the uh, the the fancy thing they have now at Disney uh, because apparently it's going to be a big hit. Uh, moving on to other stories. Twitter is testing a new way to fight misinformation, including a community-based point system. I don't know if that'll work. (laughs) Just being honest, trying to help out. Maybe I'll call Twitter and and let them know. Uh, But Twitter confirmed that a leaked demo, which was accessible on a publicly available site, is one possible iteration of a new policy to target misinformation. All these social media platforms are dealing with the same kind of thing right now. The drama... In the Facebook world, the Twitter world, etc., is what do you do about things that are lies? Do you just let them exist in your platforms? Free speech is a thing. And if people are going places, editing videos, whatever they're doing, and saying certain things, is that a protected right and or is it just too hard to fight? Because the other thing about like Twitter, Facebook, uh, any of the big ones, you know, Instagram, TikTok, it's hard to, to prevent things because inevitably you need a human to be the one editing stuff. If you just create some sort of program, the program's going to do stuff wrong. The, the computer in and of itself is not smart enough yet to understand the difference between some subtle things 
like comedy. Uh, you know, like parody is always going to be allowed. If you want to put something up and edit a video for the sake of jokes, I don't think those need to be taken down from the social media world. Uh, but if it's lies, they kind of feel like it should be. Um, and I think the biggest reason why this is even talked about so much is a lot of people get their news now. Uh, probably not all of us, Eight two nine two three four five. Probably not you. Although if you want to call in and admit that it's you, that'd be awesome. Um, but a lot of people do get a majority of their news, the things they believe to be facts, from the social media platforms they go to. Instead of going to, you know, the bigger news organization websites or even just like Google News, for example, uh, people go into their Facebook, see stories that their friends are sharing and just, you know, live their lives assuming, assuming those are the, the facts that exist. Um, and so because of that, the platforms have had more pressure on them than ever to get things right. Uh, but any form of, I think, preventing this misinformation that involves the people that use the social media platforms is just impossible. It's just impossible. If someone put up a video right now saying that they like Donald Trump, uh, something that that simple, and maybe even having like a two-minute you know clip of one of his recent um, one of his recent rallies, all things that he actually said, uh, and they just put that up on their social media page. If a community-based point system is going to be what is used to say that is or isn't misinformation, there's a whole lot of people that would say, I assume that that's the kind of thing that needs to be taken down. They would vote for it to be, you know, removed because. And yet, I think the reason the social media platforms fight it all uh, to, to fix some of this stuff is like doctored videos. There's these really crazy things. Now, I don't know if you've seen any, but a couple totally innocent ones, but they do exist, have made the rounds recently. Um, they're videos where they put different people's faces, they're called deep fakes, onto, you know, actual people. So it looks like someone that it's definitely not um, doing whatever the video has them doing. One of the most recent examples, and I can share it on my Facebook page, is a very innocent one from Back to the Future in which they put Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland into the two lead characters' bodies, and it looks like those two actors, the actors who played Iron Man and Spider-Man specifically, are actually the guys who would have played the lead roles in Back to the Future, which would be Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox. And it's a fairly convincing video. Um, if I put it out there on the, the social medias and you see it, it takes a second to really understand, outside of you know having familiarity with the movie, that it's not them. Like, their, their mouths are moving correctly. They seem like their heads are attached to their bodies. We've gotten a lot better in the world today as far as technology is concerned regarding the deep fake video. We can essentially use computers to make it look like anyone did anything. And so as that technology continues to improve, it does become wildly important for any Internet page, uh, a news page and or a social media page, to remove that content so it's not believed. And that's my opinion. Only in the deep fake world where you can literally put anyone in any scenario and make it seem like they're doing whatever you want them to be doing, only in those worlds should we really be doing things like what Twitter is doing and trying as hard as we can to remove the information. Any other stuff that's out there, I think, would probably be more debatable as to whether or not it is fair freedom of speech things and or you know, actual representations of things that happened or very misleading things. Um, and even though it's in the news today again, I saw it that 
We're worried about Russia trying to interact, uh, interfere in our upcoming election. And social media is the platform that any uh, group of people would turn to more so than anything else to do those things. Uh, If you remember Cambridge Analytica at all as a very much discussed group of individuals doing stuff like that, uh, there was a tremendous amount of research into the ways in which they could actually, you know, target certain areas on social media and say certain things, create fake accounts, whatever it would be, to, to live in that world and interact with people and then maybe influence opinions. They all turn to social media to do that. So, again, as we go here and as people like Twitter say they're going to fight it however they can, uh, the reason why, too, and I, I should break soon, and I, you know, uh, this is a tangent I'm going on, but it, it's one of vast interest to me and one you'll probably hear more about in the next few months as we go through this presidential election, the disinformation that exists on social media platforms and who it's coming from, uh, which is a debate I don't get in as much. Um, but as this stuff continues to exist and it gets put out there, the reason that a Twitter would want to make you and I the people that are actually deciding if stuff is valuable enough to be on the platform, if it's a lie or if it's the truth, is because it's just too hard for them to do it on their own. Uh, there's a wonderful article, uh, I think it's about a year old now, uh, written in Slate.com, Slate Magazine, about the lives of people who are asked to be editors of this content, moderators of this content. So they live in these, like, well, they don't live. They work in these offshoot facilities from big, giant companies like Facebook and Google who have these wonderful, like, real campuses that have, like, coffee shops in them and, you know, chefs that are there live making you food. Those are not where the, the moderator people get to, get to work. They work in these offshoot locations that are much drearier, much less fun, and the things they have to view in order to decide whether or not it's appropriate to have it on the social media pages are as disturbing as you can imagine. And so those jobs are just horrendous. To, to work in a world where a computer doesn't edit something, but a person does, and they have to witness every single thing that they eventually deem you know, uh, against some sort of policy and have to take down, that's a really, really hard job. So Twitter, Facebook, whatever, they're going to turn to these policies to make us do it. And, well... We're all going to have opinions. I don't know if this is shocking news to the people in California, the Silicon Valley guys, but uh, a lot of people might misuse this power if given to them because guess what? They don't really care about the truth. They care a lot more about their own opinion. I really like studies. I talk about studies a lot. Um, I I like ones that just, you know, look at normal human interactions and or maybe have surprising results. This one falls into the latter category. This is a surprising result found in a new groundbreaking study. Uh, If you want to achieve a goal, if you have, like, you know, lose weight as a goal, or if you have get a better job as a goal, whatever it is that you want to do, maybe, you know, um, uh, improve your education, go back to school, something like that. What this new study says you cannot do is think about the reward. Uh, We all assume that in order to achieve something, you think about, you picture yourself on the beach in the summer, with, you know, a body that you want, uh, whatever that body looks like, uh, whatever you're working toward, and then you work out because you want to find the success to hit that reward. You know what I mean? Same thing. If you want to get a better job, you, you envision yourself at said job making more money or being happier, whatever it is, and then you go about trying to do stuff in order to achieve that goal. By picturing the reward, according to this recent study, We hamper our ability to achieve it. We wind up fantasizing enough to be happy with that and not actually putting in the really hard work it takes 
to improve certain things or gain certain things, whatever it is. If you want to be president of the United States, you might fantasize about being president or maybe be like an NBA player, uh, but you don't actually think about all the really hard work it takes to do it. So in order to mentally trick yourself into achieving these goals you have, you actually need to focus on all of the hard work it takes. I know this sounds daunting. It sounds hard. It sounds like the absolutely wrong thing, but the study is groundbreaking. Focus on all the hard work it would take to achieve that goal and hit those goals of doing that hard work, and the results will inevitably be there. If you have to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning to go training, just picture that. Just think about that. I got to wake up tomorrow and I got to run. Back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. Craig Collins Show. AM 1230 WJBC, uh, thank you to someone who just sent me a pretty nice email. Um, I don't want to read the whole email because it's a lot, of, a lot of nice things were said about me, but I, I want to thank the person for doing it, um, saying that they get some laughs from the show, they enjoy the show a lot, and it seems like I really love my job. Uh, that was the last thing they said. Yeah, if the excitement level that I demonstrate on a daily basis on this very radio station is, is the best way for you to read me, then yes, it is accurate. I love being here. I love having this job. I love talking to you guys every single day, and I love hearing from you. I want to keep asking uh, for calls on anything. Look, I don't care. Uh, if you don't like my topic but you want to talk to me about something, call in. We'll do that on the air, 829-2345. I'll, I'll talk to anybody about pretty much uh, anything. Uh, so give me a call at any time during my show from 2 to 6 o'clock every single day by dialing 829-2345, and we'll uh, chat here at WJBC AM 1230 about, like I said, pretty much anything you want. Uh, before I shift gears, I want to keep talking a little bit about the fallout of the Democratic uh, presidential debate that took place on Wednesday. Uh, Michael Bloomberg came into it with a whole bunch of money. The guy is rich. He's got billions and billions of dollars and has said that he will spend up to a billion on this campaign, even if he doesn't win the nomination. Uh, that is something he said early on, that depending on where he's at spend-wise, that if he has to you know, drop out because he's not the candidate of choice, the rest of that billion dollars that he has pledged will just roll into somebody else's bank account in order to take down the current president of the United States, as far as uh, Michael Bloomberg is concerned, that is in the necessity, and he's going to spend a billion dollars on it. I think there might be better things to do with that billion if it were me. If, uh, if he could throw that into my bank account, I might go a totally different road, uh, but I'd have a heck of a time doing it. And I'd invite a bunch of listeners on. We'd, we'd have a, a bender that would be days-long bus trips. Um, you might involve some islands. I don't know. Things would get crazy. Uh, but for whatever reason, that's where uh, Michael wants to spend his money. Uh, Bernie Sanders was the leading candidate, I would say, um, not strongly, but the leading candidate going into the debate because he did uh, squeak out a win um, in one of the two uh, primaries that already took place. And in the first caucus, the very messy one, uh, it's kind of a mixed bag as to who won that. But Bernie did a, a pretty decent job there, too. Uh, he has recently said that if Michael Bloomberg were to debate Donald Trump it would just be embarrassing. Uh, to quote Bernie directly, if, that, if that's what happened in a Democratic debate, you know I, I think it's quite likely that Trump will chew him up and spit him out. That is from a 60 Minutes interview that is set to air this Sunday. Uh, caller, what's your name? What do you want to talk about? This is Brian. I'd like hey, to uh, announce my candidacy for uh, <laughs> Democratic. Uh, right. You know, I'm, not, I'm not really into the you know politics, but I'm all about the big 
piles of cash. Yeah, the billion dollars. I'm down too, man. Look, can I be yeah, your okay. VP? Hey, running mate. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Running mate. Yeah, awesome. that's right. So, Brian, Brian, it is official. I feel like I need a drum roll or something. You will be running for the Democratic <laughs> nominee. Democratic and honestly, piles of cash. On, yeah, honestly, it's the crowd's wide open right now, Brian. So you got a pretty decent shot. And if you get the cash. Yeah, I mean, the, the day you get it, you then would immediately probably say that you're no longer running, and then we would just get to do whatever we want with that billion dollars? Yeah, that billion. And then I'm just going to take the job when Trump wins again. I just want to hold his phone. <laughs> you want to do like, what? No, bro. Oh, yeah. I oh, so, hold his phone. So, like, so he tweets yeah, less. So every time he's like, hey, I'm going to tweet this, and he's going to be like, no, bro. <laughs> like, think before you push it in. But my mom always told me. Man. You know, that job would be worth a billion dollars because there'd be a lot of oh, times yeah. you'd have to say no, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you would. That would yeah. not be like a once a oh, day yeah. kind of thing. Like yo, DT. Like right. no, bro. <laughs> well, I, got I nicknames for him already. We're in there. I know. Well, he's gonna have nicknames for you very fast. He's quite good at that. So uh, oh, yeah. that's fantastic, <laughs> Brian. I, I can't wait. That's then great. you and I are running. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when the next debate is, but let's try to get in it. Let's let's try to figure this oh, out. Yeah, we need to, we need to get some graphics or something on right. the website. Well, and honestly, if we debate like everybody did on Wednesday. We just got to call people names and yell at people. We just got to do it like you do oh, a dude, Thanksgiving I've, dinner. I spent a lot of time at ISU at kegger parties. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> savage at that. There you go. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, we'll be fine. This is. I'm very excited for us. Um, how, where are you at weight-wise now, Brian? You've been dieting. You've oh, been you know, doing great things. I, the only times I really got on the scales when you've asked me. So gotcha. I haven't even... Okay. I haven't been on the scale since. But so. you're killing it. You're under 200, so congratulations to that. I'm always oh, curious. Yeah. yeah, I've been going to the... I got a guy that I do Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays with at his house. He's got a gym in his basement. Nice. So we kind of do stuff there, and then Mondays and Fridays have been pretty much Planet Fitness. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, I, I will tell you that this Monday I'm going to be debuting a video of John Davies at WBNQ and I at Zumba at the uh, YMCA. Oh. If you ever need a Monday workout, <laughs> that's right. That's uh, available. Davies, isn't that his name? For some, he reminds me of uh, Matt Dillon. Yeah. Yeah, John Davies could be a Matt hey. Dillon. I get it. That's yeah, funny. Yeah. And his mannerisms. Yeah, he was yeah. killing me the other day. I was just like, I was like, oh, man, don't don't get Pony Boy in trouble. <laughs> you know, people say I might have a lot of energy. That man has a lot of energy, too. And he seemed, oh, to, en- he seemed to enjoy himself at Zumba. I'll say that. See that video on Monday. But, Brian, thanks for calling in, man. <laughs> later. Have right, a good see one. you later. Uh, anybody else can do that. 829-234-8292345. Call in and chat with me. That'd be great. Uh, and I wonder if you do agree if Michael Bloomberg did as poorly as he did in that first Democratic debate on Wednesday night, would he do even worse against someone like Donald Trump, who is not afraid of throwing punches? That's uh, literally almost half of his debate strategy all the time. Uh, I think that he would, as Bernie Sanders thinks, uh, do much better than Michael would do. But it's he's only been at one debate. So who knows? The the continued uh, you know situation with the Democratic presidential nominee It'll only get more interesting as we go here. It'll only get more interesting as they debate more. And if people like uh, Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden do not fall out of this race, um, but yet do not really, you know, do much better than they've done so far, they're going to be just as willing to fight as they were last time. So it'll just it'll push us even further. Uh, One last thing about the debate stuff. Michael Bloomberg, an attempt to make himself look better, uh, has put a photo up on his Twitter page, on his social media uh, that really heavily edited the debate to make him look like, you know, he succeeded. Uh, and it is kind of funny. A lot of people are reacting on social media by saying, hey, you know, this is amazing. Uh, whoever does your editing for you really probably deserves a, a award nominee of some kind. But let's let's try to just do better next time. Uh, caller, what's your name? My name is Linda, honey. Hey, Linda, what do you want to say? 
I wouldn't miss you every day, and when somebody calls me during the time that you're on, I get mad. <laughs> really, Linda? I tell them. You and I tell them, I'll call you back. i got to listen to him. <laughs> the Craig Collins show is on. I can't, can't take That's phone right, calls. That's right. I can't miss it. Now, here's what I called about. Yes. Everybody wants to dance around with Bernie Sanders. Well, sure. let me tell you a little story that I heard last week on the radio about Bernie Sanders. Sure thing. Bernie Sanders has hired his wife. And I think he has one kid left because one passed away. I might be wrong on that. But anyway, he hired them to do all of his um, advertisements running for president. Okay? Right. His wife is handling all of his ads, you're saying? Yes. Okay. Now, the thing about it is, is that he took all this money and he's paying them to do it. Got it. Now think about that for a minute. So you're saying his campaign is paying money to his family members for work they're doing, and you're a little worried that maybe that's an unfair way to to spend money from the campaign. I think I'm getting what you're putting down here, Linda. Yeah, but he's getting the money back. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Actually, you know what's funny about that? I won't comment on the validity of that story because I don't don't fully know how all that's breaking down for his campaign. I do know you are right. Uh, It wasn't in his his child. It was his daughter-in-law who passed away. Uh, when she was 46, but uh, Levi Sanders, his son, is his only current um, you know, child, so you're, you're right about that. I will say this. If you've ever played the game Left, Right, Center, it's this game where like you go one at a time and you roll dice and somebody eventually wins a bunch of money in the middle of the table. My wife works at this company with me, and our coworkers wouldn't let us sit next to each other because the game usually gets down to two people who are next to each other, and people thought that was totally unfair if my wife and I were facing off to win a pile of cash at work. Because we were, we would win either way. So just like what you said about Bernie paying his family members, at least here in this office, people didn't want me and my wife to be the only two left in a game that well, involves some money. I just said, don't worry about it. I'll get it when I get home. <laughs> I got to go. I got another call coming in. But thank you for calling, Linda. And thank you for the kind words. That's wonderful. All right. Uh, All right thanks. Talk to you soon. Uh, caller, what's your name? My name is Pat. Go ahead, Pat. Um, I didn't hear the last minute or two, but... Uh, since Bernie Sanders is spending only his own money, yes. What what difference does it make? He is not taking any money from anybody. So I think I think you're misunderstanding. Michael Bloomberg is the one that's spending only his own money. Oh, is a, that what I meant, Michael Bloomberg? I'm sorry. He's a billionaire. So so what Pat was talking about, or excuse me, what Linda was talking about, not you, you're Pat, uh, was that <laughs> Bernie Sanders, who's raising money predominantly from people that are not rich. Bernie likes to tout right. the fact that his funding does not come from super wealthy people because he hates them. Right. Even though Bernie is also a millionaire. I will point that out real quick. Um, but Bernie is, is giving campaign funds. I don't know if that's true, by the way. I want to say that because that, right. was, that was Linda saying it. I haven't looked into it. Right. I um, don't believe everything I hear. But <laughs> I, I, do, I do know that um, Bernie Sanders or Michael Bloomberg is spending all this money. And people are accusing him of buying the election. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that because we have the freedom to vote for whoever we want to vote for. And until he walks up and gives me a million dollars, <laughs> he hasn't got my vote. Pat, I'm not saying I vote for I, him. I am, I'm thrilled that you called, and I'm thrilled that you said I love that you said that, because I was thinking that the other day when I was walking to this building. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to mention that on the air. That's too complicated. But you're right. right. No matter how much money you have, you can't actually buy the votes until you buy the votes. I mean, you can get the exactly. most publicity. 
you can try the hardest and you can have a pretty good shot at getting votes, but nobody, no matter how much money they have, can actually buy them unless you commit the crime of handing us millions. And then it sounds like, Pat, both you and I would probably check that box if they made us millionaires. But that is not allowed. That is very illegal. And so it's it's hilarious that you say that. Thank you for calling in. You're right. Bye. Bye. And again, I'm kidding. I wouldn't take the money. I wouldn't check the box. That's not allowed. Um, But I do really like uh, money, and I wouldn't hate being a millionaire myself. Uh, But a quick break and a lot more. AM 1230 WJBC. Call in. 829-2345. Eight two nine two three four five. I always say it on big political story days. If you guys want to cover that topic instead of the the crazy stories I have out of like you know China, Belgium, etc., uh, we can go that road. But otherwise, I've got a goofy story about a guy in Belgium who loves French fries, uh, and I feel like it's a a winning argument kind of story. If you ever have somebody judge your your eating habits, you're listening to the Greg Collins Show on WJBC. I want to mention that twice: once Orion, once I. Uh, welcome back. Um, first, a bit of sad news, though. I got to kick off this hour of the program, or this half hour of the program, with a bit of sad news. Um, a pretty important guy has has passed away. He actually passed away earlier this week, uh, but his death is going more and more viral now on social media as we find out who he was. Uh, his name is Larry Tesler. He was 74 years old, uh, and he passed away on the 16th. Um, but the reason it's taken so long to really, I guess, appreciate uh, who Larry is, if you don't know, and I didn't know just off the name. Uh, He is an innovative IT whiz, a computer guy uh, that lived in New York for a while, worked for companies like Amazon, Apple, Yahoo, and Xerox. And the biggest contribution he had to your your daily, uh, maybe even hourly use of a computer, he invented cut, copy, and paste. He's the guy that created copy and paste. So anytime, uh, Neil, I imagine you use copy and paste a bit. Uh, Every day. Probably in the workplace as well, maybe. I use it every day at work. Yes. Every, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, this guy invented it, uh, Larry Tesler, and he, he unfortunately is 74 years old. Uh, he passed away. He just, um, you know, um, lived a, a life. I would say a lot of people lived a, lived a good life, a long life, and he, uh, he, he died of natural causes, but he, he was the guy that invented copy, cut, and paste. So um, today, next time you do it, just remember that Larry Tesler is the guy that made that possible. He was obsessed with the, the user experience as far as computers go. So there were a lot of other innovative ideas he had at all those big tech companies uh, throughout his career. Uh, A Belgian man has been doing something for 32 years that I think would help a lot of people win like a debate over how healthy your diet is. And and I mean this kind of silly. This isn't, you know, I don't want you to be hard-hitting when you throw this guy into an argument you're having with a loved one. If they're like, you know, you're doing this too much or that too much. I had a nurse on my social media tell me that I'm drinking too much soda. Because I mentioned it on the show a lot. And yeah, okay, she's right. That's true. But at least I'm not eating French fries as my only meal for dinner every day for the past 32 years. That would be Rudy Geibel's thing. Every day, he just makes himself some French fries. It's his favorite snack. He loves the potato fry. Uh, he grills them up or he you know, does all kinds of ways of cooking them. And that's his only dinner. Uh, he's 45 years old now. He jokes about it. He goes, some people need their cup of coffee. Uh, maybe they need a cigarette a day, whatever it is. His daily thing is... He's got to have a pack of fries. I mean, come on. I don't know if you win arguments by saying at least I don't do this, but that's a that's a pretty interesting move from a from a one Rudy to be like, you know what? I just I don't like anything else for dinner. Uh, Forty four thousand members of a group he's on on Facebook regularly share uh, the food things they do, the food you know quirks they have, uh, and a whole lot of people there seem to support this guy for his move because you know what? Come on, man. We all have the things we like. I'm the guy, no matter what restaurant it is, no matter what 
you know, fast food chain everywhere. I pick my favorite thing. I might search the menu if I'm new to the place a few times until I find my thing. And then the rest of the time, whenever I go there, it is the exact same order. You never go off book uh, at a majority of the places I go. And it started when I was a little kid uh, because my grandfather loved steak, loved it. He even had like health issues and doctors would tell him, okay, out of all the things you say you're doing to get better health wise, the one we notice you're not doing, you're not giving up steak. And his answer to anyone, any medical professional would always be uh, living without steak is not living life. So either take me now or let me keep eating steak. And he, you know, he ate steak his whole life. So when I was a little kid, I would always pick steak on all the places we went. Applebee, it didn't matter. Any restaurant my mom took me to, even if the steak was high end, low end, didn't care. I would go, can I get the, the steak? And then I'd always ask for it rare because that's what grandpa did. <laughs> and I was like six or seven when I started doing this. And I have no idea health-wise what the impact is to a seven-year-old kid diving deep into like a rare steak on a, on a however often basis we'd go out. My mom would always correct it with the waiter after, and I didn't know any better. Like as a little kid, I never noticed. She was like, no, 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 make that like well, like cook it real well. And maybe sometimes don't even bring the steak. And <laughs> that's how I ordered every time. Didn't matter where I go, and I, I still keep that alive today in a, in a certain way by picking my favorite meal item. And I don't know, maybe it just makes you, you know, feel more comfortable like this guy. He needs his fries, and then he can go on about his life. Um, a different story that I saw that I liked a whole lot uh, is about a dog. <laughs> it's a dog that's going to get some sponsorship deals on their social media account. Uh, the dog's uh, owned by Rebecca Mundy. Uh, Rebecca Mundy's 21 years old. Her dog's name is Finley. And what is unique about her three-year-old uh, spaniel? Well, he rocks what is lovingly referred to as rock star hair. <laughs> she says in, in the article, uh, she was covered by one of the local news outlets there, uh, that people always compliment that his hair, always compliment his hair and say how cool he looks, that he looks like a rock star. Finley loves the attention and additional fuss that people give him everywhere he goes. He apparently is doing very well on Instagram and on social media accounts. And even though like it's only twelve to fifteen thousand followers on Instagram, some dog companies, some some products, you know, in that world have already approached and offered different sponsorship deals for for um, Rebecca's dog. Because, you know, in some of these niche worlds, if you find a following of like fifteen, twenty thousand people, uh, that might be valuable enough to still sell stuff to because those people are more likely to buy it. Um, a story that I don't think I've ever told on the air, but I have told quite often that's kind of, uh, it's sort of like, you know, a behind the curtain to the way some of our industry works. We have radio, we have podcasting. Uh, for anyone that's scared with that term, podcasting is the internet. Uh, uh, you go there and you listen to audio just like you do from your radio, but you got to click a play button on the internet. It's very popular. Lots of people do it. Uh, but I went to a podcast convention and there was a rock star. Have I ever told you about this rock star, Neil? I don't think you have. There was a rock star at a podcast convention I went to in California two to three years ago. People, like everywhere you went, when this guy walked by, they're like, oh, did you see that guy? Did you see Bill? He's, uh, he's right there. And I'm like, who is Bill? Why does everyone, and I'm giving a fake name, why does everyone love Bill so much? They're like, you don't know about Bill? And I'm like, no. Can someone please fill me in? Who is this podcast rock star? They're like, he's the iguana guy. And I was like, that's not, I don't know what you just said. They're like the Iguana podcast. It's got like 20,000 listens. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm still not impressed. None of the things you said yet have helped, helped me understand why he's a rock star. It's because all the pet food companies that sell like the specific, you know, exotic breed of whatever he had food were giving him money. 
he was making thousands of dollars an episode with a tiny, tiny audience because he was like the only guy in the game, the only dude who was showing up every day, every week, and doing this like very niche iguana podcast, and he was was wealthy uh, for doing it. It was amazing, and the dude was exactly what you'd expect for like very obsessed with it iguana guy. He was a little bit shy, and you know maybe, but he was destroying in the financial world because he found his his platform and his people. And it seems like maybe this is also true uh, for this rock star dog, Finley, although that's more universal. Dogs in general are more universal, but the toy companies, whatever, they're going after the guy, and he's only got a, a social media following that, you know, you might, I think we have a better one here at the radio, actually. I think our, our Facebook fans is higher than Finley, but have we monetized ours yet? No, I don't think is we any cash it. rolling in? Uh, we're, not, we're not doing any ads? I, I, I'm sure we are, okay. but maybe not. Yeah, I mean. Well, you know what we got to do? Rockstar hair. <laughs> right. You and I, man. And let's get a pet. Let's get a Craig Collins show dog and have rock style, rockstar hair on him, too. Uh, right now, Finley, by the way, if you go to his social media account, he is rocking the big, long, like, headbanger look. So it, <laughs> it does look pretty cool. He, he does have some pretty sweet hair. Uh, but the fact that they're making money off of this guy is just, it's a... Uh, it's the world we live in, and it's incredible. All right, I got to take another break. A lot more on AM 1230 WJBC. I will tell you a story I saw about birds that I liked. Yep, uh huh. I'm going there. Uh, you can call about anything, 829 2345. If you want to talk about something else, I'm game. JBC. There's a lot of cool websites that like do um, uh, retro commercials. They kind of celebrate and live in the world of retro, uh, I don't know, board game commercials, toy commercials, whatever. Uh, they're a lot of fun. I don't think that. Today's commercials are as good as those ones back in the day. Uh, this would be one such example. This is a 1980s commercial for Mall Madness, the board game. Got your credit card? It's Mall Madness. Sale at the shoe store. The new shop till you drop game that really talks. Sale at the fashion boutique. It's all the fun of a shopping spree. With Mall Madness, you get it all. A bank account and your own credit card. Theron at the sunglass boutique. Mall Madness really talks. To win, buy everything on your list and be first out of the mall. Mall, mall Madness, the electronic shopping game that really talks. From Milton Bradley, it's the mall with it all. Oh, man. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, and actually, also in today's day and age, completely unrealistic to how people do anything. But are you excited, Neil? You get your own bank account, your own credit card. You know, it kind of got me wanting to maybe Did it? look into this. Go a to the mall, yeah, play the game. Yeah. Uh, you have no idea what this is, by the way, right? I've, I don't think I've heard of it yeah, before. It's, yeah, uh, it was very popular in the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a board game where you do exactly that. You go on a shopping spree at the mall. You have a little plastic card that you can, like, ring in. You buy items, and the first person that gets out wins. Uh, it's coming back. Hasbro said that they're bringing back the Mall Madness video game with an electronic board update for 2020. It's been a while since this game existed, it will cost $25. It is available right now for pre-order on the Amazons.com. But you know who's got to be thrilled? Thrilled that this is a game that kids might play? Malls. Malls would be the happiest of people to have us remember the day and age in which you had to go there to buy a random assortment of things. It's weird they're selling it on Amazon. That would be probably the one platform I would think would shy away from the product and not necessarily live in the nostalgia of going there. But if you want, very, very soon, I think the game officially comes out in October, uh, but you can they announced it very recently, though. You can start playing Mall Madness with friends and, you know, relive the glory days of doing the Christmas shopping at the mall, whatever uh, you have. And I wonder if they will incorporate the one thing that's been rumored about malls, because uh, people say as they continue to die out, stores continue to close down, and they continue to lose 
to the you know the world of the internet. Uh, they might turn them into like residential housing or maybe even retirement homes, so people can live above the food court or whatever still exists there. Maybe they should incorporate that in the game too. Like, uh oh, we've got the neighbors coming in. There should probably be some sort of like the people that live there element if we want to really get it to 2020 because that's a legitimate rumor. I'm not kidding. I'm not making it up. People assume, and I think there have been some stories about it, that as malls continue to decline and the buildings just sit vacant, that maybe top floors, et cetera, can be turned into apartment housing. And then maybe that would obviously create a lot more commerce because people would be able to not even leave their home and go buy a, a select group of products just by going downstairs. And I get it. That kind of sounds good. It's like what happens in big cities because in huge cities where you have giant you know, tall apartment complexes with, with hundreds of people in them, thousands of people, you inevitably have little stores, Starbucks, whatever, pop up on the ground floor. Uh, we just want to do that <laughs> pretty much anywhere. Although I do wonder how much it, it pushes away, you know, the traffic of everybody else when uh, someone could come down in their slippers and stand next to you buying a, you know, a Mrs. Fields cookie. Um, in other news, and I just, I love this news, so I got I to gotta tell you guys here, uh, just because, again, I don't think that there's much similarity. It's probably not something we can enact in our, in our day-to-day lives. But a study in the Journal of American Ecology has demonstrated that for birds specifically, that's right, this is bird studies on Craig Collins' show, they make better choices when they've eaten food, but better choices how? When watching television. A bird that watches TV will make better food choices, and he'll make better TV choices when eating food. I don't know exactly how the researchers determined all these things, but it's pretty awesome to see that maybe the TV dinner should be alive and well because we've studied at least one animal and noticed that it, it works out pretty well for them. Uh, after the news, I want to talk about a couple things, including a conversation I had uh, earlier this week. Someone made a joke to me, um, a joke about how much they hate Donald Trump. And, well, I think that that's a pretty common thing. And people, not just the hatred, but the joking about it, and while people on both sides of the aisle seem to hate the other people more, I wanted everybody's reaction, 829-2345, as to you know, where we cross the line in some of those worlds and where we don't. Uh, because I'm a guy who's going to make a lot of jokes about a lot of politicians on a platform like this. Um, and some of them, who knows, I'll probably cross the line too. Hopefully not, knock on wood. But uh, yeah, I, they, the joke came to me, and I'd love to throw it out to you. So I'll do that after this on AM 1230. Hey there. Craig Collins Show, AM 1230 WJBC. Hope you're having a nice afternoon. It's getting really nice outside. It's going to get nicer tomorrow, nicer on Sunday. I'm excited about that. It will be cooler, as Neil just said today, uh, getting down to 23 degrees. But 47 tomorrow and 51 Sunday, those sound like pretty good temperatures. And just the sun. Does it seem like there's way more sun out there than there's been in a while? Can we, yes. Can we make Brian throw that into the weather forecast? Sun, there's a lot of it. It's been very sunny lately. Right. It is abundantly sunny. And when it was sunny, when there was snow out, it was like not very good for the eyes because it yeah. was reflecting right off the snow. But now the snow is melted, so now it's there, beautiful. Eyes. That's a great point. Maybe that's the point. I don't get harmed by the sun when I look outdoors right now because there's no you know mean reflection. So it's it's very positive. Um, not as positive is the story I'm going to tell. Uh, although you know I, I had a couple people call in and tell me that jokes are jokes, man. They're always funny. No one has to have a you know a, a rule to to how you know what the line is for jokes. And I agree with that actually. But at the same time. I had someone in my life make a joke to me, and like at first I even laughed, um, but then as I processed it more, I was curious what the take would be. And more important, I think it kind of says a lot about where we all are politically. Uh, and again, I will preface telling the story with like, I'm going to make a lot of fun 
of democratic democratic debates of, of all kinds of political things that happen donald trump did a rally today and went after brad pitt to me that's funny uh and not funny because i think he's right or wrong just funny because a presidential rally had a situation where he said that he doesn't like brad pitt he doesn't think he deserved the award he won he thought he was boring though that's funny content in my opinion so i, I will make several a joke myself uh but i was chatting with someone and they wanted to make their political position crystal clear to me. And so this is the way they said it. They said, oh, and just so you know, you know, if I ever were to get coronavirus, I would immediately bring said virus to a Trump rally. And, you know, several people have died from the coronavirus currently. So this is not a joke I'm making. I want anyone who just tuned in to not misunderstand. I'm quoting someone else, someone I know. The name doesn't matter. The person's not important. The joke is more important to me. Eight two nine two three four five, 239 Because certainly... That person who made that joke is very much on the other side of the aisle there. They're not the Trump supporter. (laughs) Obviously, they would be the Trump hater. And I don't know if it's if it's Donald Trump himself that has created this world, um, although I think not, because I think politics have always been somewhat divisive. Uh, Certainly, I don't think it's the kind of topic we were all chatting about at Thanksgiving dinner 10, 15 years ago. I don't think it's ever been, you know, a friendly topic of universal agreement. But at the same time, like to get to the point where we make jokes like that to make our opinions crystal clear to each other as to where we fall and how we feel, um, I think is legitimately, in my opinion, part of the problem. But tell me if I'm overreacting, Eight two nine two three four five. And again, in the moment, certainly didn't treat the person like they'd done anything wrong because they didn't really. They just made a joke. Uh, but if we feel that passionately, not just about the politics themselves, right, not just the politicians who make these kind of decisions and and have agendas and you know say the things they say when given a microphone but actually the people who support said politicians we would want to however jokingly harm the supporters i think that to me is a, is a new a new feeling in this whole thing 8292345 i had a couple people call in during the break to say they'd love to hear the joke so they could weigh in so if you guys are listening or if anyone else is listening uh, please call in and i i don't want to you know, paraphrase too much of those phone conversations. I want the people to say it themselves. But one person said that they thought the difference between supporters on one side and the other is some might laugh at really crazy jokes and some might not. Uh, but caller, what's your name? Barb. What's your name? Barb. Uh, okay, Barb, what do you want to say? Um, the only thing I have to say is whether you're or not, I'm sorry, Barb, 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 I I apologize for interrupting you. I don't know if you're on a speakerphone or something. It's really hard to understand you. I'd love to to get your point as best I can, but if you're on a speakerphone, please switch off of it. And if you're driving, I think I'm supposed to also tell you to pull over, if you're still there, Barb. There we go. Oh, oh, you're awesome. I am here. Okay, go ahead, Barb. Is is this better? So much better. You're wonderfully better. (laughs) The floor is yours now, Barb. Um, Thank you. No. I, no, for me, I think it is um, the the way that the person said it was that they would bring a virus to something. That to me is harming people. Correct. Trump yeah. said something, and did is he harming? Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt. Right. Well, <laughs> probably not. No, you know, certainly, and not what? even joking about it. No. You're right. And again, I want to I want to continue within a conversation. If more people call in eight two nine two three four five. This was a joke. The person who said it was kidding. I don't think they have any actual intent to hurt anyone, but I totally agree with you, Barb. And that's why over the last yeah. couple of days or weeks, however long it's been since I remember hearing that joke, 
Um, and, and, you know, processing it, it's been like, uh, man, um, you know, the humor in that is when you digest Correct. it is is interesting. It's not I don't know if it's and, and even yeah. so. And, and the other caller who called in, which was not you, it was a, a gentleman who called me during the break and said, um, and I'll, I guess I'll just say this, that he said it. Trump supporters are more likely to jo- to laugh at jokes that are mean to Trump than the other side is likely to laugh at jokes that are mean to to their candidates. I think he's right about that. Um, you know, so yes. that is a part of it as well. Uh, but is there anything? I got more calls coming in, Barb. What else did you want to say? All right. Thank you. Sure, thank you for calling in. Uh, caller, what's your name? This is Brian. Brian, what did you want to say? Uh, I mean, I come from, like, the tail end of Gen X, and, like, most of my friends were, like, four or five years older than me. Yeah. So, you know, we used to, but we used to roast each other. Like, you'd get in a room with, <laughs> I mean, you get in a room with people that love you, you sure. think. I mean, they do love you, but you know what I mean? They also know everything about you. So, you know, Amen. some of the things that come out of a, you know, your, your friend's mouth would cut you deep sometimes. So, like, oh. so I'm all for a good joke, but still there's sometimes even then that someone would say something so outlandish, the whole room just ends up looking at him. You know what I mean? Like, oh, whoa, dude. Whoa, like, bud. Hey, whoa. Like, and yeah. that's kind of like that joke there. I mean, they can say it. I'm not offended by it. But, I mean, did you just literally say out loud that you were going to get a virus and go try and potentially kill, like, thousands of people? I'm like, this is more about you than what you're trying to do or even the fact that you I think don't, that's kind of funny. You know? I don't I don't know if you mind me saying this, Brian. You were not the guy that, that called in that I just quoted a second ago, but you also called in during the break. And what you said to me in the break was, I'd love to hear the joke because I'm probably not going to be offended. And then I told you, I don't know. you got to hear it. Uh, now that you've heard it, yeah, and you said you're still not offended, I, it was it was as harsh as I I set it up to be, right? It was as it's about as far as you can yeah, go. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty. I mean, it's, to me, it's like you can like, but it's not like you said. It, no, to me, it was said more in jest by for that sure. person, oh, not for as sure. a joke. Yeah, not as a joke because that's just like you know what I mean. You can say some really crazy stuff about one of your buddy's moms, but you know what I mean. Everybody's <laughs> gonna laugh. They're gonna be like, hey, yes, okay. yeah. Well, and every so often, in any group of friends, uh, as you said, Brian, in any group of friends, and thank you, man, for calling in again. Uh, but, uh, Brian, in any group of friends, as I was saying, uh, there, everybody can step over the line accidentally, and you, you usually pull the guy aside, you're like, hey, man, that was, that was way over the line. Uh, but at least in politics now, um, because the person who I was talking to, we're not even, like, really close or anything. So, so I think today's world, politics feels so divisive and so much a part of our lives that, like, We'll make jokes like that with each other um, because the hatred is just so substantial. And I, I guess, and as I've said on the show, that if someone came along, if a politician came along, I don't care, Democrat, Republican, I don't care what side they, or independent, and their message was unity and they could actually achieve it. They weren't somebody who was like crazy and, you know, had no real uh, plan for actually getting um, bipartisan things to happen. But if that message comes out in the next I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years, as we continue to, to retreat to our corners, and every study, every stat you look up will tell you that we are further apart than we've ever been. And something I like to highlight is that politicians in Washington, senators, Repub- uh, House you know, of Representatives people, Republican, Democrat, they would go eat together constantly. They would debate during their days of work. They would you know, strongly disagree with each other. But they all respected each other. Not saying that you need to respect, you know, per se. I'm not saying that I I agree that you can't, you know, go out in the world and say whatever you want to say about someone else. But at the same time, at the end of the day, a lot of that was just the the politicking of things. And then they would actually respect each other as humans after the fact. They would have meals. They would treat each other, you know, in a certain way. 
And I don't think anyone was trying to get anyone, you know, sick with a a viral, uh, you know, uh, disease kind of thing that's been a, a talking point here for weeks. I, that's not usually the way that people approach politics or even the politicians approach them. And so as we continue to, to barrel toward this world where we just can't get it, we just can't understand each other. And I spent years in Chicago where Chicago has a very, you know, prominent amount of, of people who would be on the Democratic side of things. You'd run into a lot of people at bars, friends, wherever, and a lot of people would fall a certain way. And as you move further down in Illinois or, you know, further around this country in all different ways and get out of the bigger cities, you meet a lot of people that are supporters of, of the current president, of Donald Trump. And the thing that I've found in my ability to live in different places and meet a lot of different people, the people are always the same. They're, they're good people. They're, they're mothers. They're fathers. They're, you know, you know kind, and, and they'll treat you kind. And the only way in which I ever have, I guess, you know, quote-unquote drama is once people figure out politics and they start wanting to, to dislike you because of who you support out there. And politics are incredibly important. You know, I'm not trying to, to belittle the importance of, of what our, you know, government people do. Uh, I, I'm just saying that, man, maybe we take a step back to where we can start talking about politics again at a Thanksgiving dinner, at a, at a you know, a, a meetup with friends. And when someone disagrees with you, just like Brian, the caller just said, like when a group of buddies is razzing each other, you can have the line. You can say the thing like, oh, I definitely don't support that guy or girl. But at the same time, then you just keep having a meal and treating the other people like humans. Because when we get away from that, when we get to the point where joking about bringing the coronavirus to a Trump rally is, is the kind of thing that, that I hear more and more. And again, that's how this whole conversation started. For anyone just tuning in, I had someone in my life make that joke. And uh, even though I laughed in the moment, I took a step back thinking about it more. I think it's the, the example of the problem we have, and there's got to be a solution. Time for more Craig Collins-style news on WJBC. Happy Friday, AM 1230 WJBC. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, I noticed today's show's been a little heavier. Has it seemed heavier today, Neil? Have I been heavy? Uh, I mean, a couple topics here and there, but I don't think it's been okay. too heavy. Well, here, I like a thing called palate cleansers. It's something I've called them for a long time on the radio. It's whenever you get in a topic that feels serious, heavy, anything like that, you got to cleanse that old palate. Similar to like if you're doing wine tasting or anything, you're like, okay, if I keep this taste in my mouth and then try the next wine, I'm not going to have any idea which one I like more. That's why you do like the water sip or whatever the palate cleansers actually are. I don't actually understand that, but I use it. Uh, here's a palate cleanser for everyone. Did you know the Tooth Fairy is paying more money than ever? Really? It, the money has jumped in the Tooth Fairy world. There is a Tooth Fairy index that exists from Delta Dental. Uh, and we're looking at the, uh, the state of influx, the state of, uh, um, um, uh, in, uh, I can't even think of the word, uh, the state of things going up. What is that? Give me the word. Inflation. Uh, there it is. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I was thinking infatuation. <laughs> and to say the state of infatuation with the Tooth Fairy, that's not it. It's inflation. We found it. Uh, is about 33% year over year. The Tooth Fairy back in my day was a dollar or nothing. A few times you got nothing. Maybe a note, you know, saying like the room was a little messy. I tripped over a toy. <laughs> I lost your dollar. Do you mind if uh, next time you clean up before? Like that happened to me a few times. Now you get about four bucks. Uh, four dollars and three cents is the, na is the national average. Uh, some places are a little bit higher than others. Uh, you can get up to four dollars and thirty-five cents if you live in the Northeast. The South, it's only about four bucks. And on the West, it's three ninety-seven. Uh, the Midwest here, we're the cheapest, uh, three seventy-one per tooth. But the Tooth Fairy numbers are, are trending upward, man. That's a pretty good sign. I am trying to think, and it's so weird when you think back to it. Mm -hmm. I, I think just, I mean, I would get a dollar from the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 
two if I was maybe if that was like if I was behaving. <laughs> Look, I know the Tooth Fairy is a busy human, so I know that probably they don't visit all the houses all mm-hmm. the times. So I don't know if they have like Tooth Fairy representatives that do some of this work. So it might not have been, you know, the Tooth Fairy who gave me the passive aggressive note. Did you ever have one or no? I don't know if I ever got okay. the, pa- the passive aggressive. I got it a few times. Like, uh, Craig, bad news. Toys everywhere. Tripped. Lost your dollar. <laughs> Next time, clean that up. And then eventually, the, I think the do- you know, I don't want to feel too bad for me. I think eventually the dollar would come like a few days later after yeah. I cleaned up. Like the two fairies stayed, or their representatives, they monitored the situation. That is the palate cleanser, because now, for whatever reason, I found yet another higher intensity story that I want to talk about. Um, if you are familiar with a few of the current challenges that exist, or just challenges in general. I don't know if people know, uh, but the social media uh, breeds a lot of weird things. One of the strangest things that it breeds is these like viral challenges. The the ice water challenge being one of the least harmful, um, and one that eventually had you know a whole bunch of benefits with charities getting involved, etc. Uh, but they these pop up all the time. They go viral, and kids inevitably do them. There's things like the car surfing challenge, where someone would actually try to surf on the top of a car. Uh, the Kiki challenge, which was the name of it. This was because of a song by Drake in my feelings, and it actually uh, referenced Kim Kardashian, but it's where you'd get out and dance to the song, In My Feelings, and let your car keep rolling. So you'd be driving in a car, you'd hop out, car would be moving, and you're supposed to dance to the song and then run back into your car. The Bird Box Challenge, which was based after a, a Netflix movie where everybody was blindfolded, and you had to, in the same way, blindfold yourself and try to do a daily task. Uh, the Fire Challenge, they're all real ones that existed in the last few years, which is where you set yourself or part of yourself on fire to test your uh, endurance and then see how long it could take before you put it out. The pass-out challenge or what's called the choking game where someone would choke someone else or even choke themselves until oxygen was cut off and they'd pass out. Those are videos that date all the way back to like 95. Uh, Another one that I'm sure most people are familiar with, the Tide Pod Challenge, one of the first big ones to go viral and then be covered by the news, TV, where kids were eating Tide Pods and some of them getting very sick, being rushed to the emergency room. Because, yeah, that's not candy, that's detergent. The newest one, which popped up on TikTok, is called the Cha-Cha Slide Challenge. Are you familiar with what this this challenge is, Neil? I think I've heard of it, but I'm not exactly sure. So there's a song called Cha-Cha Slide. Mm -hmm. Uh, Within the song, people dance to the right, they dance to the left, they crisscross. Those are all lyrics to the song, and I'd play it, um, and most of the time they'd be fine, but I feel a little bit odd playing it within the context of this segment. Um, What people do while playing that song in their car is they drive on the wrong side of the road. So you're driving on the side of the road. It says, you know, uh, dance to the left or slide to the left, and they switch to the other side, slide to the right, crisscross. And the joke with a with a kid driver usually is that it's funny that you're following the the lyrics directions, even though you're driving a vehicle. Uh, people have come out to say that this is one of the most dangerous challenges ever to become popular, and you should absolutely not do this challenge. And outside of having been uh, happy to just say that. To also pass that message along, even though I doubt many of the JBC listeners are the ones following the cha-cha slide challenge. More importantly, I'm just I'm dumbfounded to the level this goes with these challenge things. Like, and I, I think that maybe very few people will actually do this one. Uh, there's another currently viral challenge called the Skull Breaker Challenge, where three kids all jump in the air at the same time, and then the two on the sides, because there'd be a kid in the middle in this situation kick their legs out so the third kid the kid in the middle trips and falls you can get hurt doing that you can absolutely get hurt driving on the wrong side of the road so i i just wish these could go away and i think tiktok 
is actually responding to this one themselves by taking videos down, discouraging people from doing it. But what is the appeal of the social media challenge being stupid? Like, can anyone explain to me what the appeal is of, hey, look, I'm on the social medias and I'm doing my crazy challenge. And oh, yeah, the um, worst result possible is death in these chat. Like, the worst result possible is horrendous. Ice bucket challenge, the worst thing that could have happened is you, you know, you took a little bit to get inside. Maybe, maybe a risk of frostbite, depending on where you were, which again would be too much for me to risk it. But the cha-cha slide challenge, encouraging uh, primarily teenage drivers to drive on the wrong side of the road on a highway or wherever, is the, it's the top of the iceberg for the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And more importantly now, I just want to understand eight two nine two three four five why does social media breed stupid stupid challenges why any idea do you have anything uh, anything you think might be causing this neil i mean just because i don't know because maybe people think they're gonna you know be the one that goes viral this time but it's like, yes this is this this challenge is this is rough that well um, so many of them are the tide pod right. challenge yeah, was stupidity that was that was and a lot of kids did that one. So when I say that the cha-cha slide is a thing and maybe a lot of people aren't going to do it or maybe you sitting at home listening are like no one's going to do that. This is a silly thing to to, you know, um react so much about. Tide Pod was a thing that we thought no one would do and a lot of people did it. And a lot of people got rushed to the hospital because of it. And it's like you said, Neil, it's that desire to be viral, that desire to be maybe cool with your friends or whatever. But people are tweeting out, they're you know, putting up TikTok videos where they're doing it, they have hashtags, um, all kinds of stuff to promote more people to do what, to me, is by far the dumbest thing I've ever heard as far as, as, far as social media goes. This is dumber than eating detergent, in my opinion, which is incredibly dumb. But, but to actually drive on the wrong side of the road, and there is a video, uh, there is one that's being shared with the news story of kids doing it, so you hear kids in the back screaming. I chose not to play it, even though those kids are all fine. No one gets hurt. Because just hearing the audio of it was like, I don't, we don't need this. We need to go away. We need to have more stories about the Tooth Fairy paying out. Like, we got to get the Tooth Fairy up to five bucks and focus on that, that deal and no longer worry about anyone, you know, doing cha-cha slide in a car. Okay. After this, I promise, a bunch more palate cleansers on AM 1230 WJBC. I have a study out of Yale it talks about how you live a long life. BC. Hey there, the Craig Collins Show, AM 1230 WJBC. I don't know if I'm going to make you smarter, but I'm going to tell you things that maybe you haven't heard anywhere else, including this study out of Yale, uh, a new uh, study published from uh, Yale University and um, uh, the, I think, let me, I'm trying to find what uh, publications, oh, uh, University of Alabama, bring, uh, Birmingham is also involved, uh, Yale School of Medicine, uh, et cetera. They studied about 5,000 total people a little bit more than 5,000 people. I guess they just self-published the information. Uh, but they found that the, the key, and again, I'll, I'll say a lot of the keys to long life, the keys to you know better health, all these things, because studies do this all the time. Uh, but this one seems fairly reliable. The key is keeping yourself mentally engaged, keeping yourself mentally active more so than anything else. So they're saying, and again, I guess two universities did this study, so maybe it's a little biased, unfair, staying in school. Keeping uh, up with classes of some kind, doing some sort of continuing education is one of the most valuable things you can do uh, to re remain healthy and have a long uh, life. They studied people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Uh, well, you know, participating in this study found that of the people who passed away during the years in which they did this, um, uh, a much higher percentage of them 
were people that had, had foregone any any form of education or even a lot of people that had not you know gotten a traditional education to begin with as far as uh, college is concerned or something and it's not I, they're all very costly things so it's not like you have to I think go to like the fanciest you don't need the Yales but even just probably enrolling in some sort of adult community college you know continuing education class uh, maybe even free classes if you can find them certain places uh, are tremendously valuable uh, according to this study up to the uh, you know 15 20 30 percent uh, impact on the amount of people who were healthy and still alive at the end of this study than the people who were not engaging their brains anymore. And if you can't do any of that, maybe find like a really intriguing board game or something, or, or maybe even just like a puzzle or something on your cell phone. Do something to keep your mind active, is what this study is telling us. Your water cooler discussions just got better. More Craig Collins Show on WJBC. Craig Collins Show, AM 1230 WJBC. Uh, Jazz up front, just let me know that they're not going to be able to make it today. Uh, They will be on a future Friday. We kick off the 5 o'clock hour of Friday on the Craig Collins Show by getting the weekend uh, started, uh, getting your weekend appetite up. Um, But this Friday, unfortunately, Jazz up front was was trying to be here, and they just can't. Make it, but you'll you'll see them another day. Uh, I do have a story that's related, I guess, in a way. It's got some booze in it. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, Girl Scout cookies, tremendously popular. Neil, do you have any Girl Scout cookies? I currently do not. Okay. I was going to order some last week, and then I kind of forgot, and so I don't have any currently. You see yourself getting them at some point in the future. I would assume so. All right. Well, here's the story for how you can turn Girl Scout cookies into a weekend starting early kind of thing. Oh. Pair them with bottles of wine. I saw this topic, I think, on one of the uh, the news channels uh, earlier today. You can do different bottle pairings depending on the taste in the Girl Scout cookie to have a really enjoyable evening to yourself if you so want to do it. Uh, here are some of the options given for some of the cookies. The Thin Mint. What uh, what kind of wine do you think you should pair with a Thin Mint? Hmm. By the way, that is the most pop. Maybe we should wait. Hold on. Maybe I should wait. The Thin Mint is the one everyone likes, so maybe we should do this the other way okay. and work our way toward the Thin Mint. Toffee-tastic. If you were to have a Toffee-tastic, which I don't really know that a, <laughs> that a lot of us grab that one, but if you were to, what do you think you should pair with that? I mean, I feel like a lot of these... They're kind of similar. ...would be like with a, with a red, but I, I mean, I'm sure some of them have to have white. I don't know, Toffee, maybe like a, you know, you'd go a Chardonnay. Oh, he's, oh he's, you're falling, you're doing a lot of things. They say maybe some champagne or something oh. like that. As bubbly as possible, okay. they say, for the toffee-tastic, the expert did on the show that I watched. According to um, a few different people, the crisp, sparkly taste of, say, the uh, green apple or the fresh peaches that you might get, the hint of those things inside a different, like, uh, you know, a, a uh, what is it, brute, a brute uh, bubbly uh, and the citrus notes, especially, especially, excuse me, they may linger just a little more while you chew that toffee, uh, which might be a really enjoyable way to have a toffee-tastic Girl Scout cookie. Uh, let's continue. What about the lemon ups, the lemonades? What do you think you should pair with that? And I think you're smart to start thinking red and/or white. And I feel like this one, there's a hint there in the lemonades. I feel like it would be a some type of a white. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. There's vibrant. Beautiful lemon aromas, <laughs> according to the people who wrote this, at least, that come off of those lemonades. And you need something to pair just just wonderfully with that. Maybe something sweet, a little punchy in flavor. A nice Pinot Grigio, mm. they say. Could be a, a nice... So, that, again, I would love if someone tries this 829-2345. We don't have all the wines in studio. I made a tremendous mistake not having this as a backup. Um, but if you have any of this at home, 
you got a Girl Scout cookie with you, et cetera, uh, and you want to try it out, I feel like some of these probably will get high marks. Uh, the Tagalong, the peanut butter patty, what do you think you're throwing down as you're uh, eating some of those if you're having a, an evening of wine and cookies? This strikes me more as a red. I, Neil is actually, bartender Neil, by the way, is earning his, uh, his Twitter handle right now. <laughs> uh, is it a red? I would give you maybe the type of red. Oh, you go ahead. I, it is a red. Uh, um, so you're, you're, on, you're on so far. And again, this is just one expert, so I mean, maybe bartender Neil about, could craft his own matches. What about like a, I don't know, maybe like a like a Pinot, Pinot Noir? See, that's a nice pick. It's not the one yeah. our expert went with. They went with a Cabernet. Okay. A little Cabernet to go with your... <laughs> By the way, the expert also might work for barefoot wine, which is not the well. best of wines. So they have specific examples of where you can go. I think you guys could go all over the place if you want. Uh, the Dose Dues, which is another peanut butter sandwich cookie, Dose Dues. What do you think those could pair with? This strikes me as, see, when you start getting to the chocolate, more mm-hmm. chocolatey, I feel like uh-huh. it's got to stay in the red wine category. Correct. Doing well, Neil Doyle. Oh, I just don't know what you want. I'll, what was my last? I just said the you said Pinot that, Noir. Is it, is so it? You got it 100%. Just hit one. I should steal uh, some sounders here from one, uh, <laughs> one uh, what's his name, from Mark Strauss. Right. Uh, because, honestly, that was, that was dead on. They do say the Pinot Noir would be a lovely taste uh, if you were having a, you know, where is the, I can't find, all I have is the loser. That's not at all. See, you got a right answer, and that's all I can play. I don't have anything. I got a buzzer. I got a boy ping. Wait, there, there you go. go. Most delayed winner of radio history. <laughs> Samoa's uh, Caramel Delights. What do you think you might pair with a coconut caramel? I can read you. And chocolate, uh, delectably chewy treat. What would you pair with that? I might go back to the to the white category for this, mm-hmm. the white wines. Um... I'm running out of... We already did Chardonnay, right? You want me to give you another hint? They, sure. The experts said that, well, you might think red and or white. What you're really looking for is more of a blend here, blending some of the Pinot Noir taste, the Chardonnay taste, with some of the lighter taste so that you get a nice chocolatey taste, whereas if you go for something a little bit stronger, maybe you're going to lose some of that delicious coconut that also exists within this uh, cookie. So you're trying to blend those tastes together. What in the, what? <laughs> like some type of, uh, like a sangria or something? Well, they went back to the bubbly. They went back to the oh, champagne, but they to, thought okay. the rose, oh, the, the rose champagne. A little rose? Yeah, that yeah. might be nice. Yeah. You know, a little rose. Thank you. You uh, said it correctly because I'm not a bartender. <laughs> bartender Craig is not my uh, Twitter handle. Uh, one last one. Actually, and I was a bartender at Navy Pier. Tell that story some other day. The Thin Mint. The Thin Mint is the upper echelon of the Girl Scout cookie. Uh, it is a, a minty, chocolatey, delicious you know, cookie. It's the only one I usually pick. What wine, if we were to have adult Girl Scout cookie thing situation, a party, you know, for the drinkers of the world, what wine would you pair with that? This has got to be a red wine. You are correct, sir. It's a red wine you have not said yet. Just which it's not one? come out at all. Uh, it says that this red wine will boost the coconut in the aromas and in the flavors. It is a perfect match as well for the chocolate mint goodiness did we already say cabernet i can't we, remember we did uh the only other red i know is like a like a merlot or something a malbec 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 is apparently the secret here that is the the cheat code to the thin mint <laughs> which I, I have to get it i have thin mints at home right now i will literally be stopping at a at some kind of place right at a um six something picking up a malbec and then having that as soon as i get home i don't know if i've ever had malbec before. not at all I don't think. Well, now, you... that, now that I'm a wine-only guy at the uh, bars, uh-huh. I've had all the flavors. Yeah. Yeah, and I continue to, anyone that has no idea what I'm talking about, I want to drink slower. 
I think that um, college Craig no longer exists. <laughs> he's, he's gone. He's dead. Though I'm 34 now. Uh, but when I get into a bar after, like, say, one to two drinks, college Craig can quickly resurface, and I'd like to slow him down as much as I can. And so the best way to do that for me is wine. It's not my favorite of drinks. It's good. It's fine. But it's not something like that you're throwing back. If you saw somebody at a bar just chugging wine, what would your impression of that person be? Uh, they're ready to have a good time. They're huh? ready to have yeah. some kind of time. Yeah. But yet they're still fancy. They don't want to do the, the good time with the like $2 beer. Right. Um, but it, for whatever reason, it just slows me down. And I ask all the bartenders I meet now, just pick for me, which they all judge. I think wine is the only thing where you really expect an opinion, right? Kind of, okay. I mean, when you think about it. But. I mean, because like beer, if you like beer, you like them all. If you like uh, a mixed drink, you can handle you know, some variation within like a Pepsi or a Coke, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But wine, everybody's like, no, he's got to have, what are you saying? You don't care if it's white, red, whatever. Uh, but because of that, I've had all the flavors, man. And Malbec's pretty good. I've never, I, yeah. I don't think I've ever had that. You've got to try it out. you got to try it out with a Thin Mint. That is the recommendation from one of our, our national TV ch- uh, stations. And I love it. I love that idea. You take the Girl Scout cookie. You make it as adult-friendly as you can. BC.com. It's Craig Collins' show on AM 1230 WJBC. Hang out with you until 6 o'clock this evening. We are barreling toward uh, baseball time, and it is a very exciting, exciting time for several of us. Mark Strauss, I think, was bragging. Did you hear Mark bragging about the fact that he's going to be watching everything on, uh, on uh, his, uh, his MLB TV app this whole weekend? Uh, did anyone hear that? All right, uh, 829-2345, if you will also be doing it. Baseball season is approaching Join WJBC on our baseball trips. We'll have two this year. Saturday, May 23rd to Milwaukee for the Cubs Brewers. Thursday, July 23rd to Bush Stadium in St. Louis to see the Cardinals and the Cubs. Uh, Each trip is $75 per person. It includes tickets to the game and transportation to and from the stadium. Trips are on sale now. Click on Sweet Deals link, uh, our Sweet Deals link at WJBC.com with Miller Lite and AM 1230 WJBC. Uh, NASA uses something funky. Uh, whenever they want to, like, get a scale. You know how every photo, like, you need scale? Like, say you take a picture of a giant building, but yet you take it in a way where, like, there's no people walking, there's nothing else, just the building. You can't tell how big it is. You need some other item in there for scale. And I guess some farmer in the 90s, this is a guy in uh, Texas, carved, like, a ridiculous uh, uh, image into his crop. Uh, everybody does this every so often. You maybe, like, write a message, whatever it is. Uh, he carved his his last name, I guess, along with it. Uh, his last name is L-U-E-C-K-E. But it's so big. Like, he has so much land, and he cut it larger than, I guess, anyone else in the world uh, has done this, or at least here in the United States has done it, that NASA uses his farm and that design for scale when shooting things up in the, uh, you know, uh, satellite images up from space. They find the one guy's farm, they're like, okay, wait a minute. How big is that? Let's try to take a shot where we also have Lucky in there. And then, boom, okay, now we get it. How funny is that? NASA would very much not like him to change the the design of his farm, the design of his crops, so that they continue to use it uh, to understand exactly what's going on and how close things are, how much they could impact our planet. If they see an asteroid and then they kind of see the distance space-wise, they use his name and his land to kind of, you know, uh, add all that up and figure it out. It's hilarious. That guy is awesome. Uh, and I guess he just doesn't care about part of his land. He's like, feel the dreams. You mow over part of it. I hear that's a bad thing, but apparently at least it benefits NASA. Back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. Hey there. Craig Collins Show, AM 1230 WJBC. Uh, I love stupid criminals. I, I talk about them whenever I can, whenever I find stories about them. 
I'm a big, big fan of when uh, bad people do dumb things. And this is uh, pretty big. Uh, do you like the dumb criminal there, Neil? Oh, I mean, how can you go wrong? I don't know. You can never go wrong with dumb criminal. 829-2345. I'd love to hear from anyone who thinks this might be the best dumb criminal I've ever shared on the show uh, in the months that I've been doing this. But an inmate in prison, this is in Ohio, uh, was trying to think of ways to get out of prison, Neil. That's usually probably how you spend a lot of your time when in jail. And I think, you know, the right answer is probably don't commit crimes, maybe commit less crimes. That's usually a good answer. Get a presidential pardon works for some. But for most of us, you're stuck there until you get out. Uh, But not the case for Jessica Boomershine. Her name is Jessica Boomershine. She decided while hanging out with other inmates in like one of the break areas that she was going for it. She pushed a chair, you know, or at least a couple chairs up high enough to climb into the ceiling. And yes, she did. With other um, inmates cheering her on in the video that's now gone viral, she climbs into the ceiling. When she gets up there, debris immediately starts to fall. Things start to shake. Uh, Officers rush into the room. And she has moved, I don't know, all of maybe six inches in the time period where now all the cops have discovered the plan. They figure out what's going on. And then within 15 seconds of getting into the ceiling, she she comes crashing through one of the tiles and lands in, and this is my favorite part, a trash can. Like full-on feet up, heads hands up in the air, just falls straight through into a trash can and sitting there in the uh, in the break room trying to explain to officers what she was doing. And she is probably going to have an addition to her sentence. But more importantly, 42-year-old Jessica Boomshire did not think that through enough. That is awesome. I, I would have loved to be one of the other people in there because, you know, if you're somebody in jail and you're cheering around, you're like, yeah, you're going to do it. Oh, this isn't going the way we want. Never mind. I wasn't a part of this at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually saw this video in... One, it's probably not going to work anyway because right. it, there's got to be some type of camera system in there. You would think some, I mean, they were all together, the inmates, but you got to think there's somebody kind of monitoring what's <laughs> going on in the room. Not Jessica Boomshire. But then it doesn't help either that then all of a sudden the other inmates, right, who start cheering her on, it's yeah. like, that's a little bit, you probably Noisy. don't want the cheering. It's Honestly. like, hey, I'm going to do this. Just kind of maybe if you could sit how you are, don't don't bring any attention to the situation. Right. But they're up and like they're looking like, and they're drawing all She's the attention. She's going. And she didn't quite get very No, far. she did I yeah. love that she fell in a trash can, though, man. That's my favorite part. I don't know how... Uh, that happened, and she's lucky because, like, slamming into the floor would have been more painful, I guess, and she's going to be okay. Uh, but, man, how funny is that, that she's like, you know what, I'm making my break. What do, you, do you think she was arguing with someone in the room, and she's just like, I've had enough? I'm getting out right now. It could be that, or I, who, who knows what she was in for. If it, Maybe it was something really bad. She said, I, you know, here's my best chance. You right. might as well just add it uh, on to whatever I've got. She stole something from an 85-year-old dude. She, mm. uh, she stole some things. She got arrested for it. She's in prison trying to get out trying to climb through the ceiling. And exactly as you said, like, the plan was poorly. Right now, there's tiles above me. If I attempted to get into the ceiling, several people would notice right here. And if I were doing that in prison, trying to get, I mean, come on. The amount of people monitoring was was higher than she expected. Uh, Another dumb criminal story, I have two of them. Uh, And this one actually comes directly from the criminal, which is kind of funny. Uh, A prisoner in uh, Britain, a prisoner in the U.K., a politician, who went to jail for doing some sort of corruption thingamajig, uh, wrote a book recently about how naive she was while serving her 10-month jail sentence, and she admitted that this was her first experience. Breakfast in the morning, she's looking for maybe a little coffee, a little something-something to you know get her day going, can't find the right stuff, and she turned to, I guess, another inmate and then shouted to the, the police officers that would be around, 
asking where the almond milk and or soy alternatives were for her her thing to put in the coffee because she didn't want to just use the regular options available. She would really prefer the more almond milk variety. Is she aware she's in prison? Is she aware you don't get to make choices that things are given to you and you take them or you don't? She's thinking, you know, 2020, maybe right. there's, you know, choice for options. I don't know. She's looking for the barista. She's like, hold on, guys. You, you've <laughs> messed a few things up over here. This is not a full latte. You've just, you've just given me coffee and it's black right now. I need, I need some extra. Th- I mean, that's just, that's hilarious. And she wrote about that like she was shocked. You know, like, man, this really means I'm in prison now. I don't have my soy to add to my, my coffee. When in reality, everyone who's, I guess, heard that tidbit from the book now is making fun of her for being a corrupt politician and, you know, not understanding that prison's prison. I, would, I couldn't even fathom if that had happened, like you're standing next to somebody, you're in jail, and they seem to think like you're going to get, like, you know, like well, there's no TV in my, uh, my cubicle. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, what did she think she was walking in? She was right. going to, like, walk in for, you know, food, and they were, like, at the mall food court, and <laughs> right. you're going to have, like, eight different options. She has yeah. her sleeping bag with It's like a sleepover for her. <laughs> She's like, what are we doing? What snacks is everybody bringing? No, ma'am, this is prison. You have, you're being punished for bad things. You don't get your choice of soy alternatives. Uh, one last story. I teased this before the news, and then i got to take a break. Walmart has recently saved $60 million. Uh, Walmart, Target, etc., they compete every day against the online powerhouses of the world. So saving money is probably a smart thing. The way in which they saved this $60 million, though, according to the C- their CFO, Brett Biggs, is just changing the way in which they buy grocery bags. So, like, $60 million was available to... I don't know if that means they're getting them from Amazon, but somehow, like, the way in which they they used to purchase in bulk over here, but now they can purchase in bulk over here, they're saving 15% on the cost while adding a bunch more recyclable material uh, to the situation just because they've finally figured out the right place to go to buy their own shopping bags to give to customers. Hmm. I feel like that kind of victory probably should have been had sooner. And if somebody like low level figured it out, like one of the guys working in a factory is like, why don't we do it this way? That guy deserves several raises, maybe, I don't know, a full on promotion. But 60 million from the way you buy shopping bags, that's a lot of money. That's a a lot. Good chunk of change. Good chunk of change right there to make, you know, what should have been probably a more obvious decision. But that's just me. I'm just uh, calling the shots as I see them from the outside. I got to take a break. A lot more on AM 1230 WJBC. You got. High school basketball coming up at about 6.30, so stay tuned for that. JBC. It's the Craig Collins Show on AM 1230 WJBC. Just a few more minutes of my show. Uh, We'll be getting you to Dave Ramsey, and then we're getting you on to high school basketball at 6.30. So stay tuned all evening long right here on AM 1230. Um, Couples spend less time together than maybe we expected, including, you know, married couples who live together, spend a lot of time in the same house, even though... You know, conflicting work schedules, different interests, um, alternative bedtimes, whatever, might keep keep people apart who share the same living space. A new study of 2,000 adults demonstrated that even just living together over time might make you decide, you know what, I'm going to watch a movie in here alone. I'm going to stay in this room. You stay in that one. 57% of people in this study found that even though they spend seven to eight hours a day at home, they only spent a total of a little under four hours together, meaning that for four or five hours a day while living in the same living space as one-ish other human beings, you found a way to be totally apart from said other person. Uh, and the researchers were surprised in that amount of people trying to, you know, spend enough time. Uh, you share a space with someone else, right, Neil? Yes. I, Do you guys find several places or hours in the day in which you're both doing your own thing in your own area of the home? 
Uh, yeah, and it kind of, I mean, just our work schedules. I mean, she goes to work a little bit earlier than I do, so there's, you know, a good there's gap that. in the morning. Yeah. And then she's home from work a couple hours before I get home, so she's got, the, and then, then once we get home, dinner, and then we're old and we go to sleep. <laughs> so. Right, and then you newspaper in the morning usually. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand the way it goes. Um, I spend, I think, a whole lot. I mean, my wife even works at the job now, and for whatever reason, we're just not the people that get annoyed by the other person being around. But, like, if you only spend three or four hours a day with someone and you spend four-ish hours apart, like, that's all the binge-watching. I think what that actually encompasses is, like, and I don't mean every day, but, like, say you spend three hours binging something, that's a majority of the time you're going to spend with that person, I guess, in the same dwelling, and then you find a place to go. I've had... Uh, a lot of apartments in my life, so there's not usually like a lot of floors and levels to them. This is the first time we have a basement, and the basement is now a recording studio. I've turned it all into like the radio stuff and the uh, uh, recording equipment I've had over the years. So it seems like a place I should go and like just hang out and do like man cavey things, but I like never go down there. It's just it sits there. It's getting dust. I don't know what I'm doing, uh, but maybe I should take a page at all these other people's books and like just try to to dive in and do things down there. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, a lot of people, for whatever reason, seem to need to find that quiet time alone, even when living in the same. But for like half the day, half the time you're at home being capable of like, if it's just one other person, too, I think it's it's harder to avoid that person, even yeah. if you wanted to. Yeah, no, I mean, especially if it's only one other person. I mean, if it was multiple people, right. I feel like you can kind of get away with right trying to get gather your own time but yeah with one other person that'd be I debate tough. I debate telling this story every so often because like I don't want to you know call out my brother too many times but my brother he's got three kids mm-hmm. uh, he's married um, so there's you know four other humans in his house beside himself he says the only way to really get that alone time to really figure out like he's got to pretend to go to the bathroom for a while like that's his <laughs> that's his thing he'll be like I gotta grab a phone a book something and I'll go up to the because he's got a bathroom in his master uh, bedroom too so it's his own for him and his wife and he'll be there for like 40 minutes or something. And everybody will be like, what's dad doing? I don't know. He's just, uh, he's taking some alone time. That's the only place he can go. I don't, I do not want to get to that point in my life, Neil. Yeah, but, it, you know, at least he still has a place. It's that's like true. If he didn't have that's it anywhere, true. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. And honestly, like the next time they talk about renovating the home, if he's got a lot of ideas for the bathroom, that's when you're going to be like, <laughs> wait a minute, bud. What is actually going on up there? You know, I was thinking maybe get a TV in the wall, maybe put in a little mini fridge. These are the things I'd like to do. I, I'm sure he would, too. Um, and one other quick story, and then i got to take another break. Uh, there are a certain number of tasks that we do every single day at work that have nothing to do with work. I have a list of some of the, the biggest ones, some of the most common ones. You know what? I'm going to take a break first. I am Craig Collins. This is the Craig Collins Show. That was nice of them to name it that, not something else. Um, I want to say one more time, you have very little time, but if you'd like to, you can donate to my Polar Plunge. You have a shot at winning four season tickets to the Midway Marauders. Uh, right now, the highest uh, donation is 60 bucks, so you'd have to beat it. You only have till the end of the show, so you have two and a half, three minutes to get in there. Otherwise, Lee is the winner. Lee is going to get four season tickets to see the Midway Marauders inaugural season here in uh, Bloomington. Uh, they're going to be playing their games at Grossinger Motors Arena. They are a very good arena football team. They've been in the championship game two years in, one, two years in a row, uh, winning one of those games. So he'll, he probably will very much enjoy those. Unless you get in, you got two, three minutes left. Uh, thank you to all my Polar Plunge donors. I will be jumping in the water tomorrow for the uh, Illinois Special Olympics. So it's going to be a fun time, and it's, the weather seems great. It's uh, you know mild, sunny, 47, 48 degrees. I couldn't have been luckier this time around. I don't know if I'll do it again. Now, now that it got like so easy at the end, I raised like uh, 200% of my goal. 
which was only a hundred bucks, but I got up to like two thirty, uh, two thirty-five, something like that. Things got things went really well. I offered some things on the air that didn't have to happen. That was great. John Davies offered to eat dog food. If anybody dropped down fifty bucks, one person did. That would be Lee. So I think he might have to uh, make good on his. Everybody, you always got to make good. Anything you offer on any radio station, you got to do it. Uh, so even though John did that on the other station, WBNQ. I'm hoping very much that we're going to make a video and see it happen. He didn't say how much. It could be just one piece. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but Lee did get that to that to go down as well. So congrats to him, and thank you for uh, all my Polar Plunge donors. Before I get out of here with like a minute left, I will just tell you what I tease. The number one work-related, non-work-related thing you do every day at work, you take time to check the weather. That is, It's so innocuous. Number two is browse non-work-related websites. But the number one thing you do every day, you do it at work. You spend time doing it. You check the weather, and guess what? If you listen to us, you don't have to do that. Just throw us in a headphone, and uh, we'll tell you the weather every few minutes. It's something we're good at. So, you know, we can save you a, a little bit of your work day if you just throw on the Craig Collins Show on AM 1230 WJB.